Have you ever been to a state or national teacher conference? If so, when anyone asks what your favorite part is, what's one of the first things that comes to mind? For me and many teachers I've come in contact with, the answer is quite frequently this. Spending time with our piano teacher friends. Was that by chance yours? Whether it's meeting for coffee, gathering a group for lunch, or hanging out in the foyer between sessions, we love our time together. If you know me at all, you'll know that I thrive on change. In life, it means I like to rearrange my living room every few months, make new recipes half the time, and never return to the same location for vacations. In my studio, it means I may not always offer the exact same lesson setup from year to year, including experimenting with different ways of running group classes. If you're interested in hearing more on that, check out episode three of this podcast. For this podcast, it means that while it will primarily be a solo podcast with me, your host, Amy Chaplin, every five episodes or so, I plan on shaking things up with some casual chats with my music teacher friends, just like you. In fact, maybe someday one will be you. Inspired by the fact that our time together at conferences is one of my absolute favorite things about attending, I wanted to bring that right here to you. So friends, why don't you grab a beverage of some kind and eavesdrop in with me and today's piano teacher friend, Ben Capolo, host of the podcast, All Keyed Up. Welcome to the Piano Pantry Podcast, where together we live life as independent music teachers. I'm your host, Amy Chaplin. In this space, we talk about all things private music teacher life related, from organizing our studios to getting dinner on the table and all that comes between. You'll get loads of easily actionable tips on organizing and managing your studio while balancing life and home. I hope you enjoy my chat today with Ben. Well, welcome, Ben. I'm so glad to have you here on the podcast as my very first interview guest. <laughs> this is exciting. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on starting your new podcast. That's well, thank really you great. very much. Yep, it's been a long time coming. So so before we kind of get started, I wanted to set the overall mood of this episode. Mm -hmm. And I want you to kind of picture this and our listeners as well. Rather than imagining us like looking at each other right now through our Zoom screen as we are, I want to picture us kind of sitting out in a big foyer area, like we're talking about being in conferences and getting together with our teacher friends and maybe sitting in a big cozy chair with a table next to us and all of our, you know, bags and books that we've just purchased. And we kind of plop down and we're like sighing a big sigh of relief because we need a little breather and we're just going to like hang out and chat. Does that sound good to you? That sounds great. <laughs> So there's always a few standard questions I feel like as teachers we ask each other when we first meet or when we're just kind of, you know, talking at conferences and get togethers. So I kind of want to start with some of those basic little questions. So where are you from and what's your current teaching situation look like? Sure. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, northern part of New Jersey. Then I went to college in Pennsylvania, um, the suburbs of Philadelphia, then grad school in Baltimore for two years, and then ended up back in the Pennsylvania area, which is where I've been for the last five years. Uh, my current teaching situation is um, kind of different than I think what a lot of other people have. So my main job is uh, I'm the resident music director for the Media Theater, which is a professional theater that's near uh, the suburbs of, or it's in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And I kind of teach through them. So there's a room that has a piano in it, and that's where I do all my lessons. But it's all kind of wrapped up into the educational program of the theater. 
Yeah, that's really cool. I was actually looking at your website a little bit and like mm. you do a lot of like little things and that's just like really awesome. <laughs> I never talked to anybody that's a music director like that. Like, you know, a lot of teachers in my realm, we're all, we, we're just music teachers. Not that, not that just is what it is, but you know, like we just have an independent studio and work from home or whatever, you know. So that's really cool what you get to do. Yeah, well, I find interest, it interesting because I'm part of kind of the music director world through my job and I'm in a lot of these social media groups for music directors, but then I also get to know the piano teaching world through the podcast and through um, interviews like this one. And it's interesting to kind of compare different musical communities. I know there's a lot of people in the piano teaching world who are involved in other musical communities as well. Maybe they perform, maybe they teach at a public school. And I think it's exciting that nowadays musicians dabble everywhere and they get to be part of all these different communities. Yes, and it keeps it more interesting, you know, like you're not just doing one thing, you can have your hand in a lot of different things. And that's why I love like doing, you know, the podcast now and like piano country stuff. And, you know, you just have a little bit more of different outlets for creativity and all our musicianship. And the two kind of inform each other and it helps you kind of find your own unique style due to these different experiences. Like my music directing background definitely affects my teaching. And I'm sure for you doing this podcast maybe already has or certainly will affect how you do your teaching and will you know, carve out your own niche. So I think it's always exciting to be a part of a lot of different things. So you said you went to grad school. Do you have mm-hmm. a doctoral degree, do you mind me asking, or a master's or what? A uh, master's uh, in composition from Peabody Institute. Um, so, you know, since I was setting the stage of like, oh, we're at a conference, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask, have you ever attended any kind of a professional conference before? <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't. Um, so I'm interested in hearing about your experiences about them. Um, part of my motivation for starting my own podcast was because I had no background, at least when I started in piano pedagogy, anything. It was always on the side, kind of in the background, when my main work was being a music director and then the pandemic came and then all I had was piano teaching so I wanted to plunge into piano teaching and then that motivated me to start the podcast but I I had I have not done any of the things that most piano teachers have I'm so (laughs) inexperienced so although I've become a little bit you know more well-versed now I haven't uh, been to any kind of conference I really would like to and um, I've interviewed so many people who are you know, who've done a lot at conferences. And I, I'm sure you've done stuff at conferences too. So I'm very interested in learning more. It's really fun to just get plugged in and like just get to know the community. And like you start going back to them and you see the same people and you just start developing friendships and right. you know, networking is great. So um, my first experience with, yeah, I was with conferencing, yeah. yeah, it was, um, well, my background is as a choral director initially, like my first degree is music ed. Cool. Um, so I would go to like the Indiana Music Education Conferences and just always loved that. And then that eventually evolved into once I got my master's in piano pedagogy and was more focused on piano into doing, you know, uh, locking into Music Teachers National Association and then the Indiana State Board of Directors and everything. And it's just great fun. Like yeah. here in Indiana, we have a great board. We're just like all pals, you know, and um, it's not always just too formal, you know, and it's just great to have piano teacher friends. So, yeah, yeah. I would definitely encourage yeah, you. So like, do you go every year? Pretty much, yeah, wow, as much okay. as I can yeah. and can afford, you know. <laughs> but um, I think I've only missed a few national conferences since I started my piano teaching, you know, studio full time. So, okay. yeah, it's great. Okay, well, you're motivating me even more. And you have a friend now that you already know. There you, you go. Hang okay. out with. <laughs> if I feel awkward sitting alone at the table, there's at least That's guests. right. <laughs> we'll sit in a cozy chair and Amazing. Chat. <laughs> and then I'll get a lot of street cred. <laughs> So, okay, so I'm curious. This is kind of an informal question. The name Capolo, I thought, oh, that's a cool name. You know, do you have any kind of a family background with that? Like, you know, any... 
<laughs> I just yeah, it's a little bit harder to pronounce than Chaplin. Um, yeah. It uh, was originally uh, Kaplowitz, uh, K-A-P-I-L-O-W-I-T-Z. But then um, from when my, my uh, dad's father uh, immigrated from Russia at Ellis Island, at that time, they made you change a lot of kind of, I don't want to say ethnic sounding names, but non-American sounding names to names that sounded more American. So that's yeah. where Kapilo came out of. But I think it was originally Kaplovitz. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So mine, mine is an easy one, of course, to say, you know, yeah. but I always have is to follow it up. Is there a story like, for Well, Kaplow? not really. Okay. Not, not that I know of. I mean, okay. I married into that name. <laughs> Excuse oh, me. okay. <clears throat> But um, so but I always have to spell it. Like I always say, okay, it's Chaplin, like Charlie Chaplin, C H A P L I N, one A, one I, not like a like army, you know, minister chaplain. Oh, you know, I see. Yeah, you could spell it that way. You're so right. that's our, I see that. our issue. I see. Yeah. But at least if someone is reading the name, they would pronounce it correctly, like a solicitor exactly. or any situation like that. Whereas mine, everyone says Capillo. And it just, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah, if anybody ever mispronounces it. <laughs> Always. Yeah. And what about your students? What do they call you? Uh, I have them just call me Ben. I know there's different schools of thought on that. Some people like to do Mr. followed by the first name. And then some people do Mr. followed by the last name. I'm very open to hearing different perspectives on that. Maybe that could be an interesting subject for a podcast interview. That How do I address the like teacher? That. What yeah. do you do? Um, I just let them call me whatever they want. I mean, yeah. hey, you, you know. No, I'm kidding. Hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sometimes like a lot of kids will call me Miss Amy. Um, I don't think anybody's ever called me Mrs. Chaplin except for when I was, you know, a school teacher. Right. So usually it's just Amy. And sometimes it's like, oh, I forget your name. <laughs> Yeah. Or they'll call me by the name of one of their other teachers at school. Oh, I've funny. never had that one happen. That's no good. <laughs> That's only but. ever happened with, um, I have some uh, kids that go to like a really small like school, like 20 kids, private kind of private school. Okay. And they, like one of their teachers there, she, the little girl accidentally calls me by her name sometimes. Whoops. <laughs> it's funny. Well, I do um, sometimes get that at my theater. There's another um, person who works there who's a similar demographic as me and looks kind of similar and we often get confused for yeah. one another so I do get that but yeah. I'm okay with Ben I think I do try to keep my lessons kind of like this interview like uh, more relatable and yeah. you know, I guess a little bit on the more informal side and I think that's true across all areas of my teaching I let the students request songs that they want to learn I really like games I, yeah. I try to be vibrant and energetic and I do sort of see that as in some way tied to having them call me Ben yeah. But I'm I'm perfectly open minded to other teachers who go by you know, Mr. and then the first Whatever, name or yeah. Mr. and then the last name. I think that actually takes us next uh, well into our next question, which was mm-hmm. like give us a brief snapshot into your musical background. Mm-hmm. Like what were your lessons like? How did you come out of childhood like feeling about your musical experiences? Mm-hmm. And then like how does, you know, your experiences inform your teaching and how you are with your students today? Yeah, I they were very, very pivotal. So I had kind of two different experiences. There was elementary school when I took lessons with just a, the local teacher, or I don't want to say just the local teacher, but I took lessons with a local teacher, and I didn't really like them at all. It was very cookie-cutter, traditional. I didn't really practice that much. I quit after just a few years and was not interested in it. Um, but then I tried again in eighth grade, several years later, with a completely different type of teacher who was very untraditional and who was a jazz pianist and a composer. And this teacher gave me lessons that were basically, I would say, 50-50 split up between composition and piano. And that wow. got me much, much more interested. Um, and so, yeah, we would spend half the lesson looking at my pieces and then half of the lesson playing other pieces. But even when we were playing other pieces, 
we worked on them with the knowledge that my interest was composition. And so we looked at them with a compositional bent. And so we'd say, why do you think the composer did this? And I would write pieces that were kind of motivated by things in the repertoire that I was playing. And that got me so much more interested in not just piano, but in music in general. And that's where it really all took off from was this one teacher, her name is Chris Davis. I always bring her up uh, because I really thought she was a wonderful teacher. And then after that, when I realized composition was more my main thing, in about 10th grade, I switched over to just purely composition lessons and then um, did that into college. I did still take piano lessons in college, but really because of her, my focus was in composition. And that's vastly informed my career and my teaching approach um, in that I'm very, very interested in having my students write their own music. So we just did um, a recital of my studio, and I think half of the kids played something they wrote. Um, so I really, you know, bring you know, composition as a huge part of what I teach. And I always encourage students to write something, even if it's well, the simplest, most basic piece ever. I have an idea for you for your podcast, okay, then, because I know it. piano teachers would love to hear more inspiration on how to teach composition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did students. one episode on that with Nicola Canton of Vibrant Music Teaching that was about teaching composition. But it was just yeah. that one episode. I could do more with that. Um, yeah, you I could do a talk- solo episode. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I know that's what you what your style is, and I know there's a lot of people who are really good at that. Uh, Christina yeah. Whitlock, and I'm sure you. I know you know all the other people who yeah. are really good at the solo stuff. I have not tried that yet, but well, that that's maybe. really cool to know. hear though about you know you teaching your students composition because I know some you know teachers struggle with that, and mm-hmm. that's really unique to hear how your you know experience played down from your childhood into how you and I think we're all a little bit like that, you know, right? Um, so. Yeah, well, okay. So the next question I have for you is um, maybe a little bit strange. I always find myself intrigued by people's schedules. Right. So um, give us a little peek into the life of Ben. So you can either <laughs> give us maybe like a one-day rundown, you know, sure. like hour by hour, or if you want to give us like a broad overview of like your entire week and kind of how that plays out. You know, with all the, the hat, you know, the hats that you you hold, it's kind of right. cool to hear what people do with their days. So share. Sure. Do you want me to talk about just sort of the um, career parts of my day or really like the whole daily routine? Hey, the whole thing. Oh my I goodness. like to hear it okay. all. Let's, okay. let's go in well, detail, You can edit man. this yeah. out if this gets boring. <laughs> um, I wake up on a normal day um, around 8 a.m., always a cup and a half of coffee in the morning and cereal. Um, depending on the day, sometimes I do an exercise class in the morning. Um, and then usually the morning is when I do my work. So I do scheduling. I work on the podcast. Um, If I have anything to do in terms of bills or just sort of general logistical work, unless we're in rehearsal for a show at my theater, Um, we have two and a half weeks to rehearse each show and we do three to five shows a year. So if I'm in rehearsal, then that's my morning. And then I just go straight to rehearsal. But if it's a normal day, the morning is all about logistical work. And then the afternoon is teaching. And I usually go from, again, so much of it depends on what's going on at the theater. So if we're in rehearsals, then I have the whole night to teach if I want to. Um, But if we're in performances, then there's an evening show, which usually starts at 7. So my teaching window is from when the kids get off of school until about 7. So maybe 3 to 7 teaching and then do a show that evening. Um, Wow. But if it's uh, not the show, then I can teach all night. So it really depends. And then if it's the weekend, then 
I don't have to worry about school, so I have more teaching, but then we might have more shows. So Saturdays when we have two shows, and then the summer is completely different too. So I enjoy kind of not having a rigid daily schedule and that every day is kind of a completely different thing. Yes. And then um, that is so life giving to me to like have it be different, like yeah. not only during like each day of the week, but like through the seasons as well. Right. <laughs> so then I come back home, and then um, what one thing that I'm very very obsessed with that I to me is a game changer is I have a different reward set up for every night that I come home. Um, so I have something to kind of look forward to throughout the day, and, and I'm like maybe a little bit overly obsessive about it compared to what I could be. But I have like each day. Is something so one day might be a dessert day, one day might be like a you know, pizza day, one day might be wine night, one day might be I, you know, I make a point that I'm not going to do any work when I get home, but there's some reward set up every evening before I go to that sleep. That is so cool. I've never <laughs> heard anybody tell me like say that before. So, um, so you have you been doing that for a long time, or is this something you've been doing just recently to kind of just I don't know motivate yourself, or like what inspired you to start doing <laughs> something like that? Um, it was mostly inspired by once the pandemic hit um, and I was teaching all day. I'm not doing that anymore, but like during the lockdown part of the pandemic, I would teach just endlessly. And I know I'm not the only person who did that, but I did have a little bit of a struggle when the lockdown part of the pandemic first happened, doing teaching for that many hours back to back, yeah. especially all Zoom teaching. Oh, um, it was, yeah. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if you've had the experience of going like six hours on Zoom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's really draining. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I thought I was going to have a breakdown at one point during that pandemic and all those Zoom lessons. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we all had to do that. I don't know if you still are doing a lot of that anymore. But yeah, not so much. Yeah, yeah me neither. I, mean, I would say it's about maybe eighty percent in person, twenty percent yeah. Zoom. But when it was a hundred percent Zoom and all day, like seven days a week, where my whole life was at least oh, career wise yeah. was just Zoom teaching, I, I had struggle with like keeping up my energy for the whole day. And so I did yeah. feel like having even just the slightest that like even if it's just you have ice cream planned yeah. at the end of the day that would be one thing that if I just quickly think about the fact that ice cream is coming I can get motivated a lot more for the next lesson well I have to say I kind of know what you mean though because um like my husband and I we have some things like seasonally that we super enjoy like in the evening and like okay I my whole day I'm like excited right. to, to do this and right now in the winter time it's to sit in front of the fire like oh. we burn we love our fire we have a, like okay. a big wood burning fireplace that's great and um it's just like so relaxing and the popping and the crackling and and, you know, mm -hmm. and like, it's like, gets me through the day, like looking forward to sitting in front of that fire every night. Right. And that's after you're done teaching, you do the yes. fireplace. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So after like, you know, I'm making dinner, he will get the fire going and, you know, and read a book in front of the fireplace or whatever. Brian, I love practicing that. My French, <laughs> you know. Oh, French. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so, and then in the summertime, like we have a back porch, like it's just a great area. It's shaded and it's a nice place to read and, you know, so it's just little things like that are nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the smallest thing, like just being able to read outside, like what mm -hmm. you said, or just sit in front of the fire, just having something you could think about while you're in your like 10th lesson of the day yeah. or whatever. Really, I don't know. I find it very, very I'm going to have to try that regular thing though. I like the wine thing, especially. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really uh, 
something. <laughs> All right. So let's go on to our next topic, which okay. is, um, so how about your um, podcast? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Sure. Um, you've been doing this a little over a year now or about like right at one year, I think. Actually a right? little under a year, a okay. tiny bit under a year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I have to, first of all, give you some kudos up front mm-hmm. before I let you talk about it. But uh, I have to say, you just totally took me by surprise. Like, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know why, but you know, there's a lot of podcasts and piano teacher world and you're you know, it's like, I'm not another one again. I get it, you know. Um, but wowzer, like you have been killing it. Well, thank <laughs> I mean, you. I appreciate like, that. You're, the people that you're getting on your podcast are like huge names. And not only that, I just have to say, I personally think you have great interview skills, well, which you. is one of the reasons that I asked you on first. <laughs> I really appreciate um, that. That's very Yeah, sweet. you're just very poignant. And Is that a word, poignant? I don't <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you're, you're very articulate. You're, um, you're, you you have things thought through ahead of time. You direct the conversation well. You keep it moving, you know, without interrupting people. So yeah, I just really I really enjoy listening to it. So well, that means a lot. A I really appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah. So my podcast has been around for a little under a year. So it's I think in the grand scheme of things, one of the newer ones. Obviously not new like yours is new, um, but yeah. newer than some of the um, more I guess. Um, I don't know what to say, like the more veteran ones, I guess. Um, And so what it came out of was, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that I was really, for a long time, thinking of piano as completely on the side. It was something I almost neglected, I would say, in retrospect, because I was so fixated on music directing. Um, And I only had a small number of students, and it was, again, just a side sort of almost pet project that I didn't think about a lot. And then when the pandemic started and I suddenly, what was originally maybe 20% of my life became 100% of my life in terms of professional stuff, then I was thinking about, you know, what to do about that. And I wanted to get a lot better at piano teaching, which I had been neglecting. And so I was thinking of different ways that I could really up my piano teaching game. And I thought, you know, I could read books about it, which I did, but that's not quite as fun as talking to the experts in the field. And so I wanted to- I mean, you went like right to the sources. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I think that was in some ways what differentiates me, not in a good or bad way, but from many of the other podcasts is I have no background in piano. I have no credentials. (laughs) I'm just a random person. Um, And I think that's what's exciting about podcasts is anyone can do it. Um, And so- I'm like, I think many, I think I'm the same thing as many of my listeners, just teaching piano, not no degree in piano pedagogy, no uh, published papers in, you know, piano magazine. I'm really just a regular person trying to learn more about teaching piano. And so that's what inspired me was to uh, talk to these people and soak them all up. And so I've done 52 interviews so far. Um, I really enjoy doing them. I try to talk to a really wide range of people and do a balance of, on the one hand, having some interviews that are really specifically about piano teaching, like down to how do you teach thumb crossing, and then some that are really, really big picture and where the connection between that and piano teaching is a little bit looser. Like I had one episode about like the history of improvisation, which is tied to piano teaching, but not in the same way that talking about how to teach thumb crossing is. And so I really like having a big variety of guests and talking to people who know more than me and learning uh, from them and hopefully taking the audience uh, along for the ride. Taking education into your own hands, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's a lot more motivating. Like I felt like, again, this goes back to motivation. Like when I was 
trying to get better at piano teaching just by reading piano pedagogy books. I mean, I would do it, but it wasn't as motivating as knowing that I was about to have a real conversation with an expert. I mean, it really puts the pressure on you to do your research um, in a way that I wouldn't if it was a purely self-directed project. What inspired you to do your podcast, if I'm allowed to turn the question back on you? Yep, you sure <laughs> You can. said this is like a business, a, a, a conference conversation. So I'm, I'm curious yes, what, yes. what, no, what I love inspired that. you. <laughs> um, so I, I've had my Piano Pantry website since 2016. And I, you know, I started that. I just had lots of ideas and wanted to mm-hmm. share it with teachers. And it's slowly grown. You know, I have like mm-hmm. a shop. I started adding products to that. And, you know, I've just, I've been listening to podcasts forever, you know. And uh, it just has just felt like the next right thing, I guess you could say. I have been thinking about doing a podcast for several years, but my husband and I like built a house and it was like a five-year process because we did a lot of the work ourselves. And like, it's just like, I've been wanting to do it forever. And it just finally felt like life led up enough that I could, you know, do it now. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been a really fun new adventure, you know, Um, trying something different. It's a little bit different than writing blog posts necessarily. But yeah, yeah. So that's basically where where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I think another great thing about doing it is when you get better at piano teaching, it becomes more enjoyable, which sounds like such a cliche thing to say. But it's so true. Like I, before I did this podcast, I found piano teaching to be, I guess it was a little bit fun, but it was not something that I necessarily looked forward to. It was sort of just a way to supplement the income I made music directing. But now doing this podcast, I teach so much more than I used to, but I also like it more. Like I, I'm, and I've grown my studio size like threefold. And I think that's because I'm getting better as a result of talking to all these amazing people. And I'm sure you'll find that doing the podcast will affect your teaching if it hasn't already. And so um, I think it's important that people have ways of kind of not stagnating. It doesn't have to be through starting definitely, a podcast. It definitely. could be listening to other people's podcasts, but having some way where you don't just sort of get in a rut and find a system that's good enough and then just kind of endlessly cycle. And so at this point, I'm teaching, like, you know, like I think, like 60 students a week, and it's fun. Oh, and my like, goodness. And, 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 but it's, like, fun to do that. Like, everyone yeah. says, like, oh, my gosh, how do you deal with that? You must be so wiped out. And I was more wiped out teaching 15 students a week but having no idea what I was doing. So, right. Um, I really think that uh, the, the podcast world is – a excellent way for people to get more motivated by teaching. And I loved the episode of your podcast uh, that was about, <laughs> I think you said, like, let's address the big elephant in the room, the fact that <laughs> yes. I'm not the first piano podcast. But I, my fantasy is everyone should start a piano podcast. I mean, the more the merrier, because um, it's such a fantastic resource. The, you mentioned, like, working with your students and everything. So I wondered if maybe you could give us a peek into one of your students. Mm-hmm. Like, besides, like, being intrigued by people's schedules, I think a lot of times as teachers we talk about teaching philosophies or you know, um, particular methods that we implement, but rarely do we get like super specific. Like mm-hmm. here's the student, here's, you know, how they came to me or their background or maybe, you know, struggles they're having or mm-hmm. strengths that they have. And here's what I'm doing with this student and why. Mm-hmm. Could you maybe give us a little peek into one of your students? Yeah. Um, so I'll talk about one student who, um, I've known for a really, really long time and who I find very rewarding to teach. So um, her uh, pseudonym, I guess I'll call her Vanessa. Um, So she came to me, um, I think it was 
four or five years ago uh, with really just a singer-songwriter background, uh, very minimal piano experience aside from being able to play a few basic chords, uh, lots of skills with guitar and sort of felt like the way she described it, she was like, when I write for guitar, I feel free. Um, and I don't feel that way when writing for piano. And so I've really enjoyed kind of creating a custom curriculum for her that is not entirely indifferent from what my piano teacher did for me growing up, although I was more into composition than necessarily songwriting. But we sort of spent about half the lesson on her original pieces and then half of the lesson on piano work. But I do the piano work with the idea that she likes songwriting in mind. So we're always talking about what are some tools that this piece used that you could do in your own piece, or uh, what are the chords used here? Could, let's have you improvise a song now using that same chord pattern that this piece used. And so I find it really rewarding to create this kind of curriculum for her because, again, it reminds me of what I had growing up. Um, and it's been fun because it's such a contrast with many of my other students in that I really work with her on her songs in depth. And we talk about lyric writing. We talk about rhyme schemes. Um, and uh, what I really like about it is that I feel like now she has a much more rigorous background in music and theory than a lot of other people who kind of do sort of coffee house singer songwriter teen things in that she can write pieces in different modes. She uses extended harmonies. Um, and, and these are tools that I think she's gained from having a more rigorous background in piano. And so she isn't just defaulting to improvising the same sort of chord figurations that she did when she came to me. Well, I like what you mentioned. Like, I think it's really, um, I think it's good to take what they know. Like you said, like taking a piece that they're already working on and mm -hmm. then pulling elements out of that and encouraging them like, okay, can you use this and then create your own composition using these tools that you're yeah. seeing happen in this piece mm -hmm. that's already, you know, composed by somebody else. Right. So it's a great I, starting point. Yeah. I think the other thing that I really like about this student, and I'm sure you have probably a student like this as well, and many of your listeners do, is like having a student where I feel like, it actually, like, it, I don't want to say it matters that I'm her teacher, but I'm doing something that I don't think most teachers would be doing. Like, I feel like I'm really putting my own stamp on the lesson. Like, the fact that we're freely going back and forth between her sort of pop songs with piano and then classical rap, but then we're connecting the two and I'm working with her on lyric writing and rhyme schemes and the structure of a pop song, just as much as I would talk with her about sonata form. What's rewarding about that is I feel like that is something that I uniquely can provide. I'm not saying I'm the only person on the planet who can do that, obviously, but it is at least taking my skill set and applying it. And I think that's the most rewarding types of situations is where you feel like you do something that's uniquely you and where you feel like you found your teaching style. Absolutely. Um, it's what I felt in composition a lot earlier on when I wrote my first piece where I really felt like I wasn't imitating anyone and I was really writing something that sounded like me. I feel like that's yeah. how I feel when teaching her. Like this is the type of teaching that I like. Like it's That's really exciting. I love thing. hearing you talk about that. <laughs> like I love the energy and mm -hmm. um, hearing, hearing you talk about just that one student. So thank mm -hmm. you for sharing all those details. That's really inspiring. So, okay, we're going to kind of get close to wrapping up our yeah. episode here. Um, a couple like quick life balance questions sure. for you because that's what I kind of want this podcast to be about um, everything that that happens in our lives as independent music teachers mm -hmm. so you know I'm big on like organization and productivity mm -hmm. um, do you have any tips for us in regards to any of those things organization productivity or just like work-life balance even in general 
Uh, yeah, I would say as far as productivity, there are three things I do that I've found to be pretty helpful. Uh, the first, which I don't always do, but I've definitely gotten better, is something that I took from uh, Nicola Canton, which she said, I believe on her podcast is where she made this suggestion or maybe one of her YouTube videos, which is only check emails if you're in a position where you actually can respond to the emails. Like, don't check emails while you're on the go, because then you create this cognitive burden and it goes into the back of your head and just kind of gets added to a to-do list and makes everything frantic. So yeah. only respond to an email, like only check your emails if actually you can respond then and there, even if it's an issue that, re like if it's an email that requires you to look at your calendar like, mm -hmm. unless you can respond to it, don't look at your email. That's a well, big Well, and the thing one. is, sometimes it takes longer to, like, go back and reread an email right. and, like, process it mentally, like, you know, than it takes to just do it in the moment and save it for email yeah. time. And it know? adds so. stress to have another thing in the back of your head on the to-do list. Uh, the second thing is what I mentioned earlier. I do feel like, at least for me, having some kind of reward to look forward to at the end of a long day is very helpful. And then the third thing I learned from uh, Barbara Fast, who was uh, – on one of my uh, episodes about practicing, and she brought up this thing called Focus Mate. Now, this is not for everyone. This is acquired taste, but I like it. The idea is that you get paired with a stranger um, in a kind of uh, anonymous video chat format, and the whole point of it is that you and the stranger are responsible for holding each other accountable for whatever you would like to accomplish in the next 25 or 50 minutes, depending on which one you pick. Um, what? I've yeah. never heard of this before. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know obviously you have to be comfortable being in a video chat with a stranger. So if that isn't your cup of tea. That's what fine. What is it but called again? Focusmate.com. Um, okay. It. Uh, I think it costs $5 a month, although there's a free trial that you can try before deciding if you want to commit to it. But okay. having someone else there who like messages you periodically to say, how are you doing? And then having to report back to them at the end how you did on the task. Like to yeah. me, I find that that's it's not actually that different from how I'm more motivated to look up piano pedagogy when I have an interview coming up. Because if you have another person who you're accountable for, and it's not just pure self-motivation, I find it a lot easier to be productive. So I do feel like Focusmate for me is not that different than the motivation that I receive from doing these podcast interviews. Interesting. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll put a, maybe a link to the show notes in uh -huh. that one. Um, if people want to check that out. So yeah. very cool. So, okay. So tell us really quick about the non-teaching <clears throat> non side of Ben. Any mm -hmm. particular hobbies outside of music? Honestly, I could get a lot better at this. I need suggestions <laughs> of hobbies. We all probably can. If you have any suggestions, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I don't have any hobbies. Um, I, I, um, I, this isn't a hobby. I try to stay informed about the news and what's going on. I exercise. I take about three exercise classes a week. I yeah. have shows on Netflix that I try to watch when I can. But what I don't have is really just like a single hobby that I can sort of devote myself to and that I come home every night and do. Like, um, that's what music is for many people. And that's what music was for me growing up because I had school during the day and then music was the hobby. But now that the hobby has become the main thing, I, I really don't have kind of a hobby. What do you do? Oh, for fun? Yeah. Um, I like to read a lot. Okay. You know, I, I finally joined a book club <clears throat> this past oh, year. Great. And that's been, it's a local one. And it's just been great just to get out, you mm -hmm. know, one morning a week and meet with other people. And one of them is even my piano mom. She actually is the one oh. that invited me. Oh. And uh, keeps me accountable. accountable. Um, so a variety. And that's the thing I like about okay. it is I always felt like I kind of was stuck in what I was reading. And I had yeah. you know, just certain things that I was 
kind of one after the other. And um, so it's opened my eyes up a little bit. You know, we do anything from fiction to uh, I probably more fiction, I would say, than anything. Um, but a lot of different genres, like, um, for example, I've, I've discovered that I like psychological thrillers. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Which isn't something. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, so that's been good. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. Cooking, of course, I should say, is a hobby as well. I love to cook. Yes. Is um, that what inspired the name of your podcast? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, but my website back when I, in the day, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. So mm-hmm. it was like, okay, you know, I could kind of take it any direction that I wanted to by doing piano pantry. So, yeah. Yeah, Piano Pantry (laughs) is a catchy title. I like it. I like the alliteration. Okay, so I like to finish all of my episodes off with a fun fact about me. But since this podcast is more about you, can you share one little fun, silly fact about yourself? My fun fact uh, is that I have, I'm double jointed in a lot of ways. I'm bringing this up because whenever I bring this up to my students, it completely blows their minds. Um, And so whenever students ask for a fun fact, this is what I always say. So I have two that I can do. This is an audio podcast, so I can't demonstrate. Plus, I wouldn't want to gross out your listeners, but I can uh, have my shoulder blades kind of like pop out um, and look kind of like wake. And then the (laughs) other one is I can completely cover my nostrils with my upper lip. What? Yes. Whenever I show that to my students, it completely, they're like a new person. There's my fun fact. (laughs) All right, Ben. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been a lot of fun. Um, My endorphins are going and I'm going to have a happy day because we've had a wonderful chat. And uh, thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you. It was so fun. And congratulations again on your wonderful podcast. Thanks so much. Well, our first Teacher Talk chat is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Ben as much as I did. You can find Ben along with his podcast all keyed up at bencapolo.com. I'll post a link to that in the show notes along with the productivity accountability site he shared with us. If you're online, you can find me at pianopantry.com podcast, on Facebook at Piano Pantry, or on Instagram where I especially love being at Amy Chaplin Piano. Now, don't forget, as I mentioned in this episode, that's spelled Chaplin, C-H-A-P-L-I-N, 1-A, 1-I. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider hitting the subscribe button and then jump over to Apple Podcasts to share a review. Talk to you soon.